Hello and welcome to the Virtual Frontier, the podcast about virtual teams created by Virtual Team. Disclaimer, all of our interviews are conducted virtually. I'm Daniel, your host, and I'm part of the team here to the Virtual Frontier. In this episode, we welcome Jan Menninger, aka Startup Joe, as our guest. Joe is a true storyteller. Storytelling is a means for sharing and interpreting experiences. Human life is narratively rooted, and as humans, we construct our lives and shape our world into homes in terms of these groundings and memories. Stories are something universal and can bridge cultural, linguistic, and age-related divides. Joe has found his passion in providing us with stories and news from the startup world. With his weekly shows and updates, he has become an important source for startups and investors all around the globe. Today, I talk with Joe about his own story during 2020, what he values most when scouting for new startups, and what most entrepreneurs get wrong while they grow their business and why it is so important to have the right attitude when it comes to failure. A quick mention of our sponsor, FlashUp. Build your virtual team systematically and methodically. Scale with your business at any time and make work better. You want to expand your knowledge of how virtual teams work and learn how to build your own team? Join the next virtual team challenge and get all the tools and frameworks for it. If you want to learn more about the next challenge, visit flashup.io. If you like the show, subscribe on YouTube, review it on Apple Podcasts, follow us on Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music or any other platform you like to podcast. You can also take the next step and get involved in our growing community activities. To do so, you can support the creator's work on Patreon, get to hear episodes in advance, join exclusive live sessions and help us select guests and topics. You can also engage with our community on Discord. All the links you can find below in the description. So, without further ado, let's dive into episode 34 of The Virtual Frontier. Enjoy the conversation. Hey, Joe. Welcome to The Virtual Frontier. I'm really happy to have you today on our show. Um, was uh, quite uh, exciting for me because uh, yeah, it's a big podcast in, in, in the world with the, in the top 150 tech uh, branch. Uh, you're quite big for me, so way over my head, but I hope I, will, I don't fuck it up today with you and uh, just let's dive in. Um, Joe, if you would like to share a little bit of background info from where you're coming, I, I'm really interested also to, to hear your story about um, how you ended up in, in the whole startup uh, um, environment and, and how did it go for you. And um, yeah, just take it ahead. First, thank you very much for having me. Thank you for the invitation. Looking forward to this interview. It's uh, usually I do with my co-host, Transatlantic News, uh, New York, uh, Frankfurt recording. Let's see how Mexico works here. <laughs> um, that's it. Um, my name's originally Jörn Menninger, but everybody knows me as Joe. I am hosting since 2015 the startup podcast, Startup Rate. .io, so Startup Radio with a period in the name. Um, since January 1st, 2021, I'm running this full time. And before that, it evolved from being a hobby to being a side business to being a hopefully viable full time business. Um, 
I started out, as so many people do, with a vocational training in Germany after graduating from high school. Then I went uh, in a bank. Then I went on to study. Um, my studies took me to China for half a year. I was actually I was also doing some language school in Madrid. I I was there when the attacks of Atocha took place, and I then uh, went on to my internship in China. And basically, after like being two weeks in Germany, I went from here to my senior year in Texas um, at Midwestern State University. Go Mustangs! <laughs> and uh, graduated from there, came back, did an internship, wrote my final thesis, and then I started out consulting. I've, I've always been dabbling a little bit in startup entrepreneurship. Um, when I was in university here in Germany, I started what they call a junior enterprise. So basically students get together for projects and help like very small or smaller medium businesses to do something. For example, we helped um, a plumbing company to, to get the finances straightened out and stuff like that. Uh, so uh, I, I always had like a side business. And at one point in time, a friend approached me who knew someone who wanted to start a startup podcast. That was basically, I do believe, sometime in summer 2012. And I was being the co-host for quite some time. This project was shut down back in 2017. And at one point in time, I did have the first interview guest in Berlin who wasn't a German native speaker. And he said, okay, I, I, I'm kind of okay with German, but I would rather uh, do an interview in English. I said, okay, let's go ahead. And that was the point when I started with English podcasting. Uh, then my former co-host and I talked on the German startup podcast about it. And then basically we split everything in English, went to startuprate.io, my own project, and everything I did in German state with a German-speaking podcast. So if, if you really go back in time, you should be able to find even content from 2019 if you're doing this on a podcasting app, you'll only see 20, uh, 2014. Uh, and in the podcasting app, you'll only see 2019 for the very simple reason that I started with an external hosting service back in 2019. I, I had to upload all my content at this point in time. And no, I could not produce more than 150 um, podcasts in just one day. That, that was ju just the upload date. Right. And, um, Ever, ever since it kind of spiraled out from there. So um, in 2017, when I was still hosting all the files on my own website around Christmas, uh, the website went down, too much traffic, which, which was, of course, a good sign. Um, then I had the same issue in, uh, in 2018 around Christmas. In 2017, I made the first appearances in international podcast charts 2018 again. Uh, at one point, of course, I was uh, I was spending a lot of marketing, and at one point, I was even in the top ten back in 2018 in the overall podcast charts in the US. But don't overstate that because um, podcast charts are like a composite of downloads and new subscribers. So there was just a lot of new subscribers coming on there. Um, I I haven't gotten why they do it for some time. Uh, 
but then uh, I was reading a blog post because um, there are like a dozen, maybe maybe three dozen really, really big podcasts. They are like small companies and they would have been always in the top and nobody could make it in there if they just go for downloads. That's why it's a composite. And that's why we frequently appear on many, many different podcast charts because we do get new subscribers there, but also frequently a lot of downloads, which I like. Um, so starting 2018, we've been in podcast charts. 2019, this kind of evolved. In 2018, I was already nominated uh, for the Benzinga Global Fintech Awards. I went to New York. I went to London for the uh, Landed and so on. And so ever since I've been doing more and more content. And right now, since I'm doing it full time, I'm actually running twice a week a podcast show. Uh, do some blogging for the very simple reason that I, I'm addressing a B2B audience and some of the content is really hard to transport um, just on audio and or video. That's why I'm writing it. For example, when I talk about um, investing, the investment uh, framework, uh, investment numbers and so on and so forth, if you're just listening to numbers, it gets a little bit strange. Um, Back in 2018, I was also asked uh, then by my former boss uh, to be a startup scout. And so I started working as a startup scout and it only made me startup scout because I already had like a big network of uh, startup contacts. And ever since I could like combine those two a little bit, podcasting and scouting startups. Um, eventually it didn't work out, Corona struck, and that's why I'm now out here by myself. 2021 hopefully the year is getting better than 2020 i hope so and there was a lot so, of talking sorry sorry <laughs> give I, me I, some I, more specific questions i don't want to talk all the time <laughs> i will i will i will bomb you. I, I know because because you are already the pro and uh, um, um but i i let me ask you something what, what got you really the interesting uh or the interest in in startups and not uh, whatever cars or airplanes uh, making a podcast about that what, what, why startups um admittedly i, I i'm not a big car fan so um as of today uh january 2021 i don't even own a car so and before that i was driving for 22 years the same old very first car yes. and at one point in time it was just too old um it it could not get through uh the 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 review process so uh in all the germans would know truth uh, not many other countries know that. So every two years, you just have to show your car and show it's a traffic worthy. Uh, mine af after being like almost twenty five years old, it didn't, <laughs> it couldn't do that anymore. So uh, I gave, uh, I gave it up. And ever since, I was not driving a car. Talking about entrepreneurship. I would say I always had a tendency to entrepreneurship. My mom loves uh, to tell the story when I was four years old and I was out on the street selling um, strawberries from our own garden. Admittedly, it's a very small town, so the only potential uh, clients were neighbors <laughs> and they were always smiling and buying for, uh, for a few um, for a few Fennec, uh, German, uh, German cents. Um, a little bit of my strawberry. So I always had a tendency to do that. And actually, um, the more 
I learned about technology and what you can do with it, like talking AI, deep tech, the internet, uh, 5G, and whatever is out there and coming in the future, you, you always see opportunities to do something with that. And I figured out I love to talk, as your audience can already tell. Mm. Um, <laughs> so basically, that, that, that was a good place for me to start with my podcast. Before that, I was dabbling in some... Um, some businesses, like very tiny businesses, you cannot really call them startups. I was helping when I was uh, living in China, a friend starting a language school, which was a chain at top uh, five, five different language schools uh, within a, a district of Beijing. Um, I was uh, once, I was helping, uh, I was together with a friend starting an online antiquarian bookshop, meaning for used books, for old books. And we had uh, like church books from the 1880s and stuff like this. It was a t it was actually at the time when Momox and Rebuy here in Germany became big. But uh, my partner at this point decided he would rather go for his PhD than to do a startup. So we had to shut this down. And that's why I've been basically sticking with podcasting because I like it. And usually in podcasting, I'm not talking that much on my personal uh, podcast. I always say it's, it's a good relationship if I talk like... 20% of the time and the guest talks about 80% of the time, I'm afraid in this interview it will be I'm talking 90% and you'll be talking 10%. <laughs> I, did make, I did make my note 2080 noted. <laughs> the Pareto principle. Yes, yes. Joe, uh, as I already uh, heard from you, uh, like the, the last year with COVID also did impact your business uh, with, with um, Deloitte when you when you were there as a startup uh, um, uh, scout. Um, in general overview, what big changes you notice on in, in the startup sphere over the last uh, months? Uh, what 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 changes came up? Um, how how did startups evolve or uh, decrease? Um, how, how they how they cope with the situation um, as they are all like young entrepreneurs and they're, they're still in the finding and, and how, how do, is there a big uh, O-tone that, that can be um, told or a big story about that? Uh, well, I would say like for startups, the big changes will be on the horizon, like uh, digital only um, business models will become even more popular than they are today. The the um, big quarterly results of Amazon, of Netflix, and so on, they're just the tip of the iceberg. They'll be much more coming, even for startups here in Germany. The digital-only business model will become more popular. Right now, many, many startups are in the survival mode it, it wasn't particularly new for startups to work like in remote in digital teams i think that was more a change for the more established german corporates um, i think that didn't change a lot here um, but as i talk to many entrepreneurs like frequently i have like let's say a dozen phone conversations a week with different startups, entrepreneurs, investors, and uh, people like you who reach out on LinkedIn to me. 
Um, so right now I see a lot of ideas in preparation, but I do see the main changes are coming over time. Like there, there's no big bam. Now uh, here's the complete change for the future. Just some startups really some companies really been doing great here just think about peloton the the remote workout uh, company that offers you this bicycle and basically a remote gym um netflix as i talked about already that are the ones that are prospering now but i do believe more digital uh businesses more digital business ideas will be there up and coming and right now um there's some activity actually um here in germany i do get regular emails and um today they they said uh one newsletter said a new record 123 uh, startups founded like last week in germany that they could track so there's a uh, entrepreneurial activity already starting the startups are preparing ideas but that don't think we'll see a lot until let's say at least fall 2021 maybe even spring 2022 is when really the changes will hit but this is like more 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 on the opportunity side i i see the development by like 123 startups in one week um so so there's there's a lot of lot of uh, movement and ideas that are coming up and and, and startups and entrepreneurs are, are trying to to cope with the situation and uh, make the best out of it right yeah uh the the chinese are always very philosophic and uh a crisis is for them like a two character word and one character is problem and one character is opportunity mm. Yeah, it's true and and i also saw this opportunity basically um my yeah you may know the trouble but most of your audience won't know that it's it's really always very hard to say how many subscribers how many downloads you have because uh podcasting is extremely decentralized yeah. and uh but what you can say is basically a download request so there's either a bot say from Amazon Music from Spotify, from Feo, or something that looks, oh, is there new content? Is there something new? Can I download something? Or there's an app, there's a desktop co uh, computer or something else requesting there, and you can actually track those requests pretty easily. And I can see those requests been growing like almost a thousand six hundred percent annually for my podcast since end of. 2018 beginning of 2019 um but there was like a really really big growth in the last quarter of 2020 and hopefully that'll continue so i guess people have also more more time right now and or or and are more interested in in, in seeing what's what's coming up i, I would say it's part of many things we get more press coverage for example tech eu and uh, crunchbase recommended us as the only uh, startup podcast from germany on their list english-speaking uh, startup podcasts uh, we also do get um, a lot of coverage in like other blogs and stuff like that plus people have more time at hand and podcasting when i started out um, many people asked what is a podcast uh now people say oh yeah i have a few podcasts that i subscribe to and people start 
just using it more, utilizing their reach out to the world in terms of podcasting more because there, there's a lot of good and interesting podcasts out there. And since I'm working full time here, as I told you, I work at least once a week until midnight. Uh, but I do take a longer lunch break. So I have lunch with my family and then I take a walk. And during this walk, every day I'll listen to podcasts. There are a lot of very, very good podcasts out there. But admittedly, I'm not necessarily um, listening to a lot of startup podcasts like by startup companies or covering startup companies. I'm rather listening to other stuff because I'm basically focused on startups and tech like 90% of my work life. <laughs> Sure, sure, sure. The rest has to be something else like having a good time uh, while listening to interesting people around the globe, uh, philosophy, yeah, I, yeah, or for, whatever. Right? Something like this. But admittedly, I also listen sometimes to the Wall Street Journal, to The Economist, sure. and like the big guys, because in a podcast, you can, because if, if you talk to a person, if you have an interview like an a podcast interview with some people you can get really really more information out of this interview than like a written statement plus it's almost the only way you can really get to know a little bit a tiny bit the personality of your interview partner mm. otherwise it's it's very hard to to see that from something else when you see a, an interview on tv it's cut down to like five minutes, 10 minutes, sometimes even half a minute, ju just a little statement or something like that. And there's something I don't like too much. That's why my interviews are going on for quite some time. Um, usually between 25 and 45 minutes where admittedly my audience has a tendency to prefer more something like 30, 35 minutes. Okay. <clears throat> when when we uh, um, talk about startups in in general, um, and and you're like a like an expert in in this uh, field as you has work, uh, as you have worked in this uh, particular field for for many years now, um, when you get to know a new startup or um, a new company, what, what what is the first thing you're really looking for um, to decide? Um, this is something interesting, or this could be something interesting, or something that is with value or uh, opportunity. What what are the things that, as a scout, you're you're watching first, or, or what are you looking at? Um, I'm afraid I lost a little bit. You uh, first thing as a scout, I'm looking for right. Yeah, the, the question is what what you're looking for as a as a scout, and when you, when you reach out to, to new companies or when you're looking for new companies, what what, what is what is your main interest, or what 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 is it? What then you when you decide, okay, this is this is something I should look further into. Um, this could be an opportunity in the future, or I want to have them maybe on a podcast, or um, how, how you decide how you go for them. What what are you looking for? Usually nothing substitutes talking to the entrepreneur, a C-level executive there. Um, what I usually do is like shaking my head because a lot of startups out there, they do very interesting stuff, but they are not good in communicating it. So um, when you go on a company's website, uh, they do 
whatever, and they call it, and they say, we call it da, 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 da. And that's basically a term they see as USP. We're the only one doing this and that. But for a person not involved in such a company, it's very hard to understand what they actually do. I would say at least 50% of these startup company websites fail to communicate what those guys are actually doing. Some of them are very good in highlighting the benefit for potential user. But me in my former position as a startup scout, I was more going for how those guys are doing it because the idea was to bring them together with the clients of my former employer and uh, make something awesome, new, innovative out of that. And um, there was something I usually could not find on a company website. What I'm personally looking for is something unique. Um, if you're now a meal kit company, chances are very slim that I'll take you in the interview. I'm personally also looking for B2B content because there is always kind of a divide because B2C companies, they have to be good in marketing or they die. B2B companies, they don't have necessarily to be very good in marketing. The problem is that kind of goes on through their lifetime because if you look into like English-speaking press, blogs, uh, press coverage. It's usually the B2C companies they highlight. For one reason, it's more interesting to the audience. And for the second reason, the B2C companies are just better in doing marketing. So I'm personally looking more for the B2B companies that are not that popular. So basically... Um, in, in the last few years, I frequently got the message, oh, we've been on this podcast and this podcast and this podcast. Don't you want to do an interview with us as well? And usually my answer is just no. I'm looking for original content. I'm looking for content nobody else has. Like 80% of the startups that I'm talking to you don't have anything in English. That's what I'm looking for as a podcaster as a startup scout, I was always looking at the technology. Is it stable? Uh, can it potentially scale like on a global level? Uh, how did would it fit within the client? Um, how are the prospects for the company, for example? Uh, is it interesting for an investor? And, and that would be the stuff I'm looking for, scalability and stability of the technological solution. And as well as the ability to kind of connect it, like talking APIs or stuff like this, um, to other software, other tools. As I watched some of the episodes uh, from, from, from your recent past, I, I got also the feeling that um, a, a lot of those entrepreneurs, they're not really used to, to talk maybe to press or, or telling really their story. You have like really to to nudge them and, and get the story out, right? What, 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 what they're really doing and, 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 and fi find their story in, inside their company. Uh, that's the feeling I got some, sometimes not always, but, uh, it seems like the, a lot of those tech, tech startups, like the, it seems they're like more introverted and, and, and they're really good and really experts in what they're doing. Um, but they lack to, to communicate the story around, uh, their, their business, as you already mentioned, right? 
Yes, uh, that, that is actually one of the points I'm trying to make. I try to give um, my airtime, my coverage to startups who don't already have like a hundred zillion articles, blogs, podcasts, press coverage, press articles out there about them. Mm -hmm. That That's what I'm looking for. Um, that's kind of my USP. And yes, usually I talk to early or pretty early stage startups, which also means that I do have um, not PR trained interview partners there, which is awesome. But I already had it like one or two times in very, very early interviews. They then got a PR coach. The PR coach first looked on the internet on um uh, on all the interviews, what did the entrepreneur do? What did he say? And uh, I've already received two uh, requests to take interviews <laughs> offline because they, they were a little bit too open, too opinionated, expressed a little bit too much of what they were thinking uh, for their P new PR stuff. And of course, I complied with those requests. Um, but it's actually something... I like because it it also tells you a lot about the personality about the person uh, when the people are coached by PR stuff when they do a lot of interviews you can usually tell it it tends to be a little bit more boring a little bit more straightforward because those entrepreneurs usually give frequent interviews and it usually goes along the same lines, which is, of course, also interesting for me because it's a challenge to really get something new, something unique out of them. When when we talked about the, the start startups and, and like when things are not really settled in, in, in the first uh, phase of, of, of uh, scaling up, um, I found it crucial, like uh, really getting um, a great team set up. But I also see that uh, startups like fail often in in this in this phase. Um, wh where do you see the biggest potential there? Um, when or, or where where can startups and and founders and entrepreneurs like really get into when they um, grow as a as a startup, maybe from two, three people, and then they might uh, bump up with their 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 um, stuff in one day, and they have like twenty or twenty five or fifty people, and they're like starting to struggle with this uh, whole environment. What 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 would you say is important in this uh, um, phase of a startup? You can always scale technology solutions, but you cannot scale people. So people are your limiting factor and are the most crucial asset of any company out there. Personally, I found the, let's say, first dozen hires of people you don't know really crucial for the success of a startup. And it's also where the entrepreneur can do a lot of stuff right or could do a lot of stuff wrong because down the road in like 10 15 years maybe he wants to retire he wants to spend his money and looks for a replacement and maybe there's somebody who who he had hired in the beginning uh who could replace him that would be like the ideal long-term solution um frequently i do see that people 
treat hiring more like project work. So basically, they're looking for, that's the current job, check, check, check. Everything's fine, yeah, hire this person. They don't really see that the environment is very dynamic and then may need to take on other roles over time uh, that the company may grow too big to be a suitable employer for the skills of this person or something like this. So um, bottom line, you can do a lot of stuff right with the first handful of hires, but it's a make or break moment for almost every startup out there, especially if you hire like tech talent, if you hire like the first sales or marketing people that would leave an impression of your company out there. That is uh, a very crucial moment. And I would strongly, strongly recommend for everybody to really think about what they actually look for, uh, to think about how they can establish company culture. Because if you if you just hire people and give them a desk and say, okay, let's work, that is not the setup where you really establish company culture. Um, the, the, the first, very first few hires are extremely crucial for the medium to long-term success of your company. And maybe they even decide if there's a medium success for your company at all. That mm -hmm. is one of the points uh, I really see frequently that they either solved greatly or badly. And for the badly solved recruiting problems, that's usually a company that will be shut down soon. I'm also seeing like... Uh, um This, this huge shift um, since the, yeah, with the whole uh, Corona situation during the last years, uh, then everyone was pushed in, in remote uh, work um, uh, situations. Um, the companies, especially startups right now, are also hiring um, people more, more globally, right? Uh, or remote in, in, in the first place, um, which is, uh, I guess, a good good thing because you can attract a, a lot of lot more talent um that that fits to you or to your company and you're not really um restrained to getting them um in san francisco or in berlin which are already like cities or or locations that are so expensive um that almost nobody can move there or you have to pay so high salaries um that that for a startup that is might not possible and um I see that with, with uh, FlashUp, uh, the, uh, the company uh, that, that um, we're working with, uh, that there's a, a huge chance, especially for startups, to scale quickly with uh, with a global workforce, uh, with freelancers around the globe. Uh, and then um, you don't have to worry like months and months uh, to get the right people at your place. No, you, you have to maybe f work on, and, and focus on um, getting the culture right, as you said uh, before, And getting right, really the people on board it, and uh, having having the right base for them. Um, but I, I wonder what, what you think about that ch change over the last uh, months. I think that's also something that will leave uh, tracks in the future. Um, I see more and more startups before they've been pretty open to do like remote work with like a handful of people. Right now, I'm seeing more and more startups 
initially set up to be completely remote or as remote as possible. Mm. Uh, I do think that's one of the consequences of the corona pan pandemic. Um, I do believe it is not yet well enough understood how you can really establish company culture, a good work environment with like an almost completely remote company. I do believe there's a lot of work to be done and the people now at the cutting edge of this, they just have to do the work. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I could not point to like any research, any publication, anything I've seen so far. They, they are like a good, uh, a lot of good pieces to the puzzle, but there's no complete overall picture how you could really do that. And, and of course, that is and will be a challenge for the foreseeable future, especially if you have people like from very diverse cultural backgrounds, let's say in different time zones uh, with more or less stable internet connections. So that that'll be a problem for for even the coming years yeah yeah and you don't have to go so far for getting like bad internet connections uh you can't just stay in germany right uh, uh problems can arose there uh, very quickly um I would like to dive a little bit more um, with you in 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 the mentality of 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 creating startups um as we um, talked before, uh, I see a lot of times uh, this mentality in, in, in Germany or in, in Europe, maybe uh, speaking a little bit more general um, about this um, mentality when you go and say, okay, we have a great idea for a startup and, and we, we, are, we are going for it. And then they start up um, with their activities. Um, and most of the times they have in mind, okay, this is our one shot and we have to get it right and best of get rich or, or uh, sell the company uh, later on for, for, for the highest bidder. And um, it doesn't uh, really work out all the time. Um, there's a lot of failure and um, I, I put it here in my notes, um, like start, startup to fail uh, is, is maybe a good keyword for that. But uh, in, in, in Europe, we have like this uh, mentality that has to work out the first time I try. If it's not working right now, it will never work. And, and when you go in, in other countries, in the US or in Americas and in general, there's more like this attitude, okay, I'm going to try it today. Um, if it's not working today, I start a new thing tomorrow. So this is more like a lear learning process. How could like startups in in Germany or in Europe getting more into this mentality or what is might missing? Uh, that's a good question. I do believe the mentality here on the side of the entrepreneurs as well as on the side of the investors are changing, are changing for the better. Um, I do believe public perception of like a failed startup entrepreneur needs to change, but that's nothing that, that'll uh, happen in like the next five years. Um, I really do believe that a lot of uh, entrepreneurs are already here uh, to really try this out. And I just talked to uh, a startup who raised uh, hundreds of millions and I said, oh, we're not out there yet, uh, but we, if, if, uh, when we start, you'll notice it, you'll see it. 
and we'll either fail fast and spectacularly or we'll succeed spectacularly. So even this approach is already has already arrived here in Germany. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so <clears throat> I guess it's all also important from from like as well from the founder's side, um, but also from the investor side, right? To 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 have this mentality that things doesn't have to work out in in the first run. Um, when when I was um, doing a little bit research on 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 the podcast for today, um, there. It's, I guess it's more like in, in the in the United States where you have like these different rounds of, of founding, right? And and with the increased uh, series of foundings, like the things are getting more more serious. But fairly in the in the pre-seed and the seeding stage and the age rounds, there's like more this acceptance of of failure, right? And and even if you go uh, and look in the in the later stages, there are also like fallbacks where you could say, okay, um, this this is the a, a, a phase where we can uh, ask for more money, um, because things are still not working out as we expected. And um, yeah. I, I I would see that uh, also, uh, or I would like to see it also more in in, in Germany or in the German-speaking market, uh, where things are still like uh, you have to sing, get all all things first in order before receiving money or uh, getting funds for 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 your startup. Mm -hmm. I I do believe funding is still an issue here in Germany, but I continually see it's getting better. It was close to impossible in 2013 to get startup funding here in Frankfurt. Right now, I would say it's not easy money. You don't go uh, to two people and you end up with 100,000 euros, but it's better. Um, I talk to a lot of investors here in and around Frankfurt. They do have the biggest business angel association in Germany, but they are not investing big numbers. What has been missing as a crucial step what's already out there for example in silicon valley is entrepreneurs who have been very successful maybe made an exit listed their company and do have now a lot of cash on their hands to invest with an entrepreneurial mentality that is coming but it's coming slowly you, you can see it for example already um, in berlin with a handful of vc funds set up by successful entrepreneurs and i do see it more and more coming all across germany that is also like the investors the entrepreneurial investors let's call them that way that are a little bit more needed and that i do see more even though not in sufficient numbers yet mm -hmm. um, when we talk about crucial and also then uh to to wrap up the things um you as an expert, when you see startups in, in general, um, what is our, what are maybe the one or two topics where startups always fail or, or most often fail? And and if you could give, give out a tip or a recommendation how to avoid that, um, that would be re really interesting for us. Uh, not really sure if I'm a startup expert, but um, I, I do see two tendencies. Mm. either too small or too big. Like uh, they're thinking, yeah, oh, well, let's do first the market around here in Frankfurt and maybe we expand to Germany. That That's the one side. 
of the coin and the other side of the coin is like, yeah, in four weeks, we're going to open something in Singapore and New York, like on, on an extremely, on extreme, like on extreme scale. Um, I would say startups in general in Germany don't think enough about internationalization, global scaling. Um, and the, 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 the way to way too ambitious plans are also still around. I talked to a lot of those extremely ambitious startups, but it looks to me at least right now that they have not necessarily succeeded um, with those ambitious plans. So I do believe um, making reasonable plans is a good thing. Like you said, uh, pre-seed, seed, series A funding, and then you can go into like global scaling. And that, that may take, depending on your startup, uh, three to even six years before you get there, before there's really, <clears throat> sorry, uh, it, uh, up to six years before there's really a reward for uh, being an entrepreneur, for really scaling, for really selling your equity to potential investors. It's, it's not that fast here in Germany. I see some cases in the US where it happens quite fast, but also in the US, there are successful companies which have been around for quite some time and did not just press a button and skate globally, but rather they are, um, they build up continually. <clears throat> and I think do reasonable planning, look for your first hires and always make sure you have an, if you take external investors, the due diligence and make sure you do have an alignment of interest there. If you don't have it, your startup may fail um, as certain as when you hire bad people as when you never get your tax straight. That are the, the, the crucial components like, like your product, speaking about tech, your employees, and your investors, uh, there was, for example, once an article in TechCrunch um, that more startups failed uh, due to their investors than due to the market. This is really interesting. Yeah. So the, the, the setup and, and also the investor sides and uh, getting the alignments right is, is really crucial um, yeah. in, the, in the first it's, place. It's never worth taking money from somebody you don't want to have a beer with. Um, it's never worth to have investors um, speaking like 5,000 euros, 10,000 euros, up to 100,000 euros that don't bring any added value to the table. I do have two very awesome investors in my company, but they are not, their financial contribution is small, but it's by far the smallest part uh, the lowest number of reasons for what I have them in my company because they bring additional skills, they bring additional network, they bring additional capabilities that I don't have. That is something you would need to look for in an investor. Not only money. Money you can get pretty quickly everywhere, but keep in mind, investors can also kill your company pretty fast. Mm -hmm. So that keep in mind. Dear Joe, Thank you so much for taking your time today. Um, I, I'm, I was really happy to get all the insights out of you and uh, sharing this time. Um, if 
people and uh, startups or um, entrepreneurs want to reach out or get connected with you or um, where, where should they go um, and, and how, how they could probably connect with you? Uh, basically, they can go to LinkedIn, uh, search for Jörn Medinger. They could also write me an email, joe at startuprate.io. They can go to www.startuprate.io or just punch in startup.radio and they'll end up on my website. And uh, the, uh, if they just punch something into the uh, contact, uh, contact sheet, they'll get straight to me. Or they can even find me on all podcasting apps. And there's always a feedback, uh, a feedback form that they can reach me as well as my Twitter, LinkedIn account, uh, linked in the show notes, depending on your device. Sometimes it, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And we're going to link all this, uh, of course, in our down show notes. Down here, down here. Down there, here. <laughs> um, great. Thanks again, Joe, for, for taking the time today. It was really a pleasure. Thank you very much. I want to thank our guest, Jörn, for joining us today. To find out more about the work of Jörn, you should visit his site startuprate.io and dive into the shows he is producing. You can also get in touch with Joe on LinkedIn. Find all the links below in the show notes. You can subscribe to The Virtual Frontier on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, YouTube or wherever podcasts can be found. And while you're there, you can leave us a review. Please support us on Patreon so we can keep improving the show and your experience. On behalf of the team here at the Virtual Frontier, I want to thank you for listening. So until next episode, keep exploring new frontiers.